0: If you have kids and you want to take them back, you're, you're welcome to do that, but uh, I, I wish I could do this, and I, and I may try to start doing this more often, but I, I felt like this morning I wanted to kind of honor um, just Jared and Hannah, y'all come up here just for a second. Um, I, everybody who's a, who's a crucial part of this body, and you know who you are, um, man, I, I, there's so much I could say about you and the blessing that you guys have been to us, all of you guys um you guys are amazing i i can't even uh i just can't even get over the fact that the lord would even count me worthy to walk with some of you guys um is she coming okay man these how many of you guys have known these guys more than two years here a few of you guys have how many of you guys have seen tremendous growth in them so much growth um, first time Jared came to church, I told Tahila he's not coming back. <laughs> and he didn't for a minute. <laughs> he was pretty, pretty uh, different than he is now. And, uh, you know, and I've watched you guys grow. And, man, y'all are such a blessing. And to see Hannah step out and sing. How many of you guys knew she could sing? Anybody knew that? <laughs> she did good, didn't she? Yeah. So I just want to thank you guys, y'all are a blessing, we love y'all, and uh, man, you guys are such an inspiration to what God can do in somebody in a very short period of time. If you don't know their story, I really encourage you to to just maybe take them to lunch or something at some time and get to know them and let them tell you their story. Um, And all of you have a story, and and, uh, I'm not undermining anything the Lord has done in your life, but Um, I just felt like the Lord wanted to honor them this morning. And, uh, you know, so um, yeah, just get to know them. They're great. Um, Before I get started, um, I was asked um, by some of the local pastors to remind you guys, if you haven't heard and you want to participate, the Tuesday and Wednesday of, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, Tuesday and Wednesday of this next week. Um, they are doing a Bible reading marathon here on the square, and it is from eight to four both days. What they're going to do is they have people in segments that are going to read the word of God all day long until they read the entire Bible in two days, and they're going to read scripture over the city, and um, and so that's going to happen on the courthouse. If you want to be involved in that... Um, you can get with me or you can contact, if you guys know Mike Bishop, if you don't know Mike Bishop, um, you can look him up on the internet. Um, he's also a, um, a realtor here in town, just right back here, so his number is pretty available to find. Uh, great man of God, loves the Lord, but he's setting that up. And also Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. So they're asking, and we won't have home group this week in Compton. I, I'm sorry, that's my fault, Abe, I should have told you that. Um, what we're going to do is cancel home group and what we're going to do is go down there Thursday night at 6 is that right I think it's yeah Thursday 6pm they're going to do prayer on the square for the National Day of Prayer and pray over the city all the churches are going to get together and do that so we encourage you guys to be a part of that if you can if you can't we understand that Um, but we just wanted to give you guys the, the heads up on that um yeah, so be patient with us. We're, we're thin this week, and we're gonna be probably even thinner next week. We've got a lot of our core group, people who worked so hard for us taking a break and going on vacation. It just all happened that everybody chose the same date. We tried to arrange it to where everybody wasn't gonna be gone at the same time, but we failed miserably. So uh, next, next week, this week, next week, be, be patient with us. We're trying to do the best we can, and we really would like you guys to come be with us tonight. If you enjoyed worship this morning, um, that's what we do on our United Worship Nights. We just worship. You don't have to endure me preaching. So it's just Jesus in the presence and hanging out, and you can stay for as long as you want or as long as we're there. But it's going to be at the college, uh, the South Campus. We're going to have signs up. We're going to start uh, at 630. Doors open at 6, and uh, hopefully a lot of other churches are going to be there. Our last one we did was, was extremely successful. The Lord really moved in a lot of ways it's a very powerful night uh, in the Lord, so we invite you guys to, to be with us this evening. OK. Everybody good? You should be, and if you're not, it's your fault. Mm. Jesus is always with you. And if you forget that, that's not his fault. We're in Ephesians 6, we've been going through verse by verse, those of you have been following with us. If you haven't been following with us and you want to figure out what we're about and what we've been doing for the last, how long we've we been doing this, seems like a minute. Um, taking, it takes a while to go through a, well, especially when I do it, it takes a lot long, longer. Uh, I get distracted and um, I get caught up on one verse and then I, yeah, that's my, I'm working on it, but... We're going through verse by verse in Paul's address to the Ephesian church and how imperative it is, uh, especially for what I would call a last day's church, um, and how life that we live is directly connected to not only what we call the kingdom, but what we call spiritual warfare. There's a lot of misconception, and I try to preface this every time I open one of these segments so we keep our track. In our trajectory, in our mind, but there's a lot of um, stress put on the idea that spiritual warfare is prayer and shouting at devils and casting out demons. Um, Spiritual warfare is how you live your life when no one's looking because that's where the demons are either in control of your life or they're not. The devil is not intimidated by the word of God. He used the word against Jesus himself, who was the word. The devil is intimidated by the word made flesh. The devil's intimidated by people who embody the word of God. Your theology doesn't scare him. Demons don't have to submit to you because your doctrine is good. The devil only trembles when a person embodies Jesus. And Jesus talks so much and he echoes through Paul by the spirit. That how we treat one another on a horizontal realm. Indicates our ability to have a perfect vertical relationship just burns me up on the inside when I hear people say, you just need your own personal relationship with Jesus, and you just got to hear the Spirit, and just do whatever God tells you to do, and all the while, that type of mentality causes them to create division, gossip, slander, backbiting, dissension, difficulty, disagreement in the body of Christ. And so this same spirit they're trying to follow is the same spirit, Holy Spirit, who brings unity. Yet they are following this same spirit, creating division. I don't understand that. We don't value people the way God does. We value our opinions more than the person. And it's witchcraft to put your opinion above someone else. Your opinion needs to serve people. Especially if you're right. Because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. Was he right? Did he come down here when we were wrong? Did he have a better opinion than we did? Did he serve us in spite of it all? It was his service that changed your heart, not his opinion. The over-abuse and the exercise of opinion in relationship destroys the same relationship you're trying to create. People don't care about your opinions. Only you care about your opinions. <laughs> I don't care about them. That's for darn sure. Half the time, I don't care about mine. Because I see it in the Word of God different, and I'm like, well, I got to change. And that's how we all should be. Amen? Chapter six, we're in verse 10. This is the climax of where we've been going. We all wanted to get to this spiritual warfare part because we want to be able to destroy demons and pull down strongholds and conquer lions in this power of gospel that we have. There's such a seduction to that type of mentality and humanity because we know deep inside inherently that we're weak and broken people. And so we desperately crave strength. Problem is, is that what we see as strength, God abhors and despises. You know, a lot of women, I've met a lot of women in my life that over time that they get more and more masculine as they get older because they're tired of getting hurt So the only way they can cope is to be more aggressive and more manlike to defend themselves and be strong. And it's totally unattractive in in, in the emotional spiritual realm. It's a total put off because that's not how God made any of us. I don't respect a man because he can beat up every other man in the room. I respect a man because he can treat his wife who's weaker than him like Christ. I respect a man who walks like Jesus in humility and knows how to wash the feet and has the power to destroy everybody in the room but absolutely will never use it. verse 10. Did we make it to verse 10? Ephesians 6.10. This is the beginning of Paul's address to the spiritual warfare part. Now, he he gets to this point and he says the word finally almost in every translation. Why? Because up to this point, everything that he said was a prerequisite to what he's about to say next. In other words, if you don't complete chapters 1 through 5 or 1 through 6 through 9, then what? 6.10 through the rest of the chapter... Is unavailable to you. I I I caution you into getting into spiritual warfare if your life is a wreck, because the demon will eat your lunch. And if you don't think he will, try it, and you come back to me in a few years, busted, broken, and bruised, with your tail between your legs, going, "I had no clue the hornet's nest. I just spotted." There's a false idea that goes around in Christendom that the devil has no power. That is a big lie. He has no authority, but he has power. And there's a big difference between the two. But power, he does have. It's only us dumb Americans that don't believe that he does. Foreign Christian missionaries who go overseas and see what the devil does in third world countries will tell you, oh no, he has power. We're just so first world cultured that we think that the devil has no power. And if you swat the nest, he will come after you. Most Christians don't know this because they don't live a life that threatens the devil enough for him to even take any time to consider them. They're working for him. Why would he attack them? They're destroying their own house. Why does he need to do it? You know, so many people, well, the devil's attacking my family. No, that's the fruit of how you've raised everything in your life and you just don't like how sour it is so you're gonna blame the devil just like Eve did. Does this make sense? We don't like it when the consequences of our life come back and bite us. This is why Paul's saying, live this way. Live this way. Chapters 1 through 6. Live this way. So that way when you, it comes time for you to actually have to face the demon, he has no place in you. That you're not having to fight the devil and eat your own bad fruit at the same time. Because that's a tough war to fight. That's a two-front war when you're eating of the consequences of your own life and trying to fight the devil, most people aren't strong enough to do that. Are you with me? I would say 90% of the counseling that I do comes because of bad marriages. 90%. 25 years of pastoring, 90% of the counseling that I do comes from broken marriages. Don't tell me the horizontal is not important. The enemy has single-handedly taken our entire country down just by getting in the home. And we want to blame the president. And it started with us a long time ago. Because if the home was right, all throughout this country... No way a man like that would have ever gotten even close to the position that he would have been in. We are now in this country reaping the fruit of bad theology in the church, which basically is this. I can believe what I want, but live however I want. And as long as what I believe is accurate, then how I live, you can't touch me, Pastor. Because my doctrine's right. I have recently seen an insurgence of young, dumb Christians, recently born again, recently right with God, who feel like they have the right to be able to challenge every authority who's fought battles they don't even know exist yet, full of the spirit of rebellion, and yet their lives are a complete wreck. And they're walking in darkness, thinking they're walking in light. And how I know is because they're attacking authority in the Jezebel spirit. They won't submit to authority at all unless it happens to be them that's the authority. This is how you know a Jezebel, man or woman. They will not submit. In America, we think submission is demonic. Because our country, even though it was birthed by the Lord, it still had a lot of us in it. We started this country in rebellion. Did God use it? Yeah. But that spirit of rebellion and not submitting to authority and pulling away from authority and breaking away from authority has always been in the American culture to the point now where each person is their own God. And tolerance is that you have to honor each person's idol and not put a fingerprint on anybody. That's impossible. And we have a problem with submission in the church because it's been abused and because we think that Americanism is kingdom. Do you realize that you got saved into a dictatorship? The kingdom is not a democracy. You don't get a vote. The kingdom is not a republic. Power to the people. Do you realize the kingdom of Jesus Christ is a dictatorship? And do you realize that this is the only small blip of a moment in time, eternal, past, present, and future that you have an actual say in anything? Because as soon as you die, you lose all of it. You do not have a will in heaven. Jesus modeled the kingdom gospel perfectly he said as a human i only do the will of my father and why is there so much other will in his family he modeled kingdom gospel in gethsemane when he said not my will you are saved in a dictatorship i realize that you think you're an american but i also realize you've been deceived i wonder if you realize that though you your will guys let me just say it this way your will is somewhat of a facade it's temporary, which means it's not eternal, which means it's not really real. It's only real enough for you to make the decision of which dictator you're gonna serve because on either side, that's all there is. But we love our opinions. That's one thing that I'm gonna love about heaven is that you can't walk through that threshold without your opinions melting off of you and you standing naked in the presence of truth. You will not be confident in your theology at that moment when you're staring at the man who is truth. You and I, like everyone else, will fall at his feet as though we were dead. And this is the day that's approaching. This is the day Paul says, get ready for. Finally, he says, brothers, after all of this, Now I can teach you how to fight the way you're supposed to. And we're like, oh yeah, brother, bring it on. I'm ready to knock some demons out. Would it surprise you to hear me say, it's not what you think. Be strong in the Lord. How strong is the Lord? All powerful. When we picture this statement, Paul's saying, we, we think we're supposed to grow up into this man of God with Samson-like biceps in the spirit. That's what we get. Be strong, brother. What's that mean? Just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and and just be strong and, and be powerful and, and be aggressive. and in the power of his might. In order to understand the power of the Lord, we have to look at the resource that God used to fight his greatest war. Jesus says a statement on the cross. He says, don't you know that I could call 12 legions of angels and come and basically rescue me at any moment? Now, if you do the math, biblically speaking, 12 legions of angels, if you do the math at how many people one angel is able to kill, according to the Bible, which they can kill way more, but according to the Bible, how, much, how many people one angel can kill? 12 legions of angels would mathematically be able to kill everybody who's ever lived, who lives now, and whoever will. <laughs> In other words, he says, don't you know I can come out here and show what you think power is to you and wipe you all out without even a blink? Did he use that kind of power to defeat his enemy? In this earth, what kind of power and strength and might did Jesus demonstrate in order to defeat God's greatest foe? You know, the answer was weakness, humility, submission, and death. So Paul says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You have to remember that Paul's writing this in an era where the crucifixion was fresh in the minds of the first century believers. In the prophetic sense, the blood of Jesus was barely even dry from the ground. They knew how God defeated Lucifer. And it was God showing that even my greatest weakness has the power to defeat my greatest enemies. And he said, I don't want you to model my greatest strength. I want you to model my greatest weakness, which will be your strength. We think if we can get to this idea of Christendom where we look at ourselves in the mirror and see a lion that we've accomplished something. No, Jesus wants you to look in the mirror and see the lamb who's able to submit to his father's will. Lambs are made for slaughter. See, in the kingdom, you haven't figured this out yet. Some of you have. Most of you haven't figured out yet. you a sacrifice. You just don't know it. Whose? That's up to you. Here's somebody's sacrifice. The devils or gods. Because lambs were meant to die. For those of the redeemed, their death is the overcoming. For those who are not, death is a terror. It's something to flee from and to be avoided at all costs. Because they're going to scrap out of every little moment of life that they can only to find out they lost it anyway. It takes a certain strength in order to defeat God's enemies and God gave us the ability and the plan and the blueprint in Scripture on how to do that. So before Paul even gets into the weapons of our warfare... He shows us and tells us what kind of strength it takes to wield those weapons. Do you remember David going to battle against Goliath? Oh, I'm already 30 minutes in. Wow. He tried to put on the king's armor, didn't he? Did it fit? It's too heavy. What is the armor called in Ephesians 6? The armor of, does it say it's the armor of the Christian? The armor of the saint? The armor of the believer? The armor of the son? Whose armor is it? It's the king's armor. Guess what? It should fit. Why? Because the king became. You, so the armor would fit. Now you're accountable to not only wear, but wield the armor of the king. Yeah? It's funny when we get into all that, like we're all, you know, I've, I've referenced it just a couple of times. We're getting all suited up, we got all this armor, and we finally look like these powerful soldiers in the Lord and, and then and then like what do we do he's like just stand there no, no, no. I'm like what do we do he's like stand on what on everything I said in chapters 1 through 5 well no 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 I want to attack demons you do it by standing in what was written before let me let me say something I'll get to it here. Hopefully, there is no way that you are going to defeat the enemy in spiritual places. That's already happened. You don't. You can't do that. It says we wrestle with him. Where do we wrestle with the devil? In the minds of people. Do you know what I'm doing right now? I'm not preaching, I'm wrestling with your mind. I'm wrestling with the thoughts that you have engendered in yourself, good, bad, or indifferent, positive, negative, accurate, deceived, the Word of God. The person of God, the man of God, the woman of God, the father of the house, the mother of the house, the children, everybody should be wrestling with the demonic strongholds that are built in people's minds. Why? Because the devil has power, but he has no authority. If you have no authority, there's no no nowhere to exercise the power. The authority comes when he gets in the mind of you as a person, a human, because now he has a vessel by which to extend his power through your authority, Every impure thought that you've allowed over and over and over and over again in your life has built a kingdom stronghold for the enemy to operate through you. And you do his work for him with the name of Jesus on your lips. And then you want to go rebuke that same devil and you wonder why it doesn't work. Well, I'm binding all this stuff in my kids. Well, how come you're still letting them... (sighs) Call now. <clears throat> Isaiah 55, 8 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways and my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. If God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, his definitions are also higher than ours. And what he calls strength, we call weakness. And what we call weakness, he calls strength. What we're attracted to, he's abhorred by. And what we're abhorred by, he's attracted to. We saw the prophetic parallel in the Old Testament whenever God says, after you sacrifice all these animals, the Israelites are like, oh man, we're gonna have all this meat and this skin and this hide and this leather to make clothes. He's like, no, 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 no. You take that outside and you burn it. But what do we offer you? The colon, the intestines, the stuff with the crap in it. You burn that on my altar, and that's a sweet-smelling incense to me. See, you're afraid of the garbage that's inside of you, but God sees it as his offering unto him. And what you think is good about you, God says, no, we need to get rid of that. That'll mess everything up. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. How can we forget that? See, God shows us the greatest ways in the places we despise. How many want to save the world by crucifying your only son? Sound like a good plan? It's foolishness to the world. That's what Paul says in Corinthians, that the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. That's stupidity. You don't do that. So I want you to understand that the strength of the Lord that God uses in the operation of armor and spiritual warfare is the weakness, meekness, humility, submission, and death that Jesus showed. Don't we see that model in everything I've been preaching on Ephesians, in Ephesians with wives to husbands, husbands to wives, children to parents, parents to children, brother to brother, sister relationships. We went through the whole thing. Be humble, be meek, be broken, be selfless, bear one of another's burdens, forgiving one another bearing the burdens of Christ bearing one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Jesus forgive one another be patient tender hearted toward one another why because the principality the demon has no power if this is operating in the spirit of God that's why the devil loves division especially theological division I really hate the religious spirit. So the spirit of this age is the spirit of Jezebel. It's a spirit that despises weakness. It uses aggression, force, manipulation in order to gain victory. We saw that even in the riots. We saw that in all these things that are happening. People are trying to be forceful and violent because that's what the devil thinks was strong. When Lucifer was in heaven, he saw the strength of the Lord in what we call strength and he was mesmerized by that kind of power i mean power that with just a a, a flicker of his finger could could create eons of of creativity strength measuring the sea in the palm of his hand and the devil's like i want that power And so ever since then, he's been trying to use that kind of power to defeat that kind of power. And God said, I'm going to show you that I'm going to defeat my greatest enemy through the weakness that he despised. And it's the same weakness the church despises, which is why she's not victorious. It's the same weakness wives despise and they don't want to submit to their husbands. It's the same weakness husbands despise when they don't want to love and serve their wives. It's the same weakness children despise when they have to be obedient to their parents. It's the same weakness church people despise when the pastor steps on their toes. We haven't figured out there's power in that weakness. We think there's power in our opinion. Be honest with yourself. How many times has your opinion really changed someone's life? but we still try and we still force it on people like it's going to work. It hasn't worked a million times past. And what makes us think it's going to be different this time? Your character will change people's minds more than your opinion will. Who you are, not what you believe is the basis for all change. The Pharisees were right. Even Jesus said, "Obey them." Just don't be like them. Who they were did not have the ability to change. What they said was true. That's why I hate the religious spirit. Because nine times out of ten, it's right. It's just wrong in how they do it. Are you with me? Revelation twelve eleven. You don't have to turn there. It says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. And love not their lives, even unto their death. How do they overcome? This is the coming, this is what's coming. This didn't happen, this hasn't happened yet. This is what's coming to you. If you and I make it to this end, it says they overcame by the blood of the lamb. They overcame who? The beast, the antichrist, the false prophet, Satan. They overcame how? By the death, weakness, meekness, and humility of a man. And by the word of their testimony, which is the covenant God gave them. The covenant was sealed in blood. And loving not their lives, even unto their death, is a trifecta of death, and that's how they overcame the beast. But that death to the world looks like those silly Christians, they just lost their lives for nothing. No, you silly world, they lost their lives and gained everything. If we don't raise martyrs, the beast will overcome the church. If we don't start training people to understand that you are a sacrifice, you're never going to get away from that. You can run from it your whole life, but you will be sacrificed for something. Money, pleasure, lusts, greed, people, politics. You will be sacrificed for something. And Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? How do we operate in the strength of the Lord? By the meekness and surrender and humility and submission that Christ showed us. It takes weakness and meekness and submission to be able to wield the sword of the spirit. If you wield the sword of the spirit in any other spirit than the spirit of Christ, then you will butcher people instead of heal them. It takes weakness and meekness to uphold the shield of faith. It doesn't take super, you know, human energy and power. Because you're tougher than the next guy doesn't mean you're tougher than the next guy. (laughs) And the toughest guys are the ones that get on their knees and wash their enemy's feet. The toughest ones are the ones that don't even know how to think to turn their cheek. It's just who they are. It will be a duel of death that overcomes, once again, the one who was overcame, the beast, the false prophet, the Antichrist. They overcame by the blood of the lamb. Power drunk saints have no hunger for the true nature of Jesus. Jesus defines himself in Matthew 11, the only time he actually attributes context to himself. He says, I am meek and humble. This is God's agent of destruction to the hell's plan inserted into the earth. And he comes in and goes, hey, guys, I'm here. All that stuff that you don't want me to do, like not taking over the Roman government and taking, you know, like, I'm not doing all that. I'm going to win by losing. And we're like, what? That's, this makes sense. Yeah, because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. and My ways are higher than your every time you get in an argument with somebody you've lost because you're using the ways of the world to try to convince the world every time you scream and fight at your wife and husband you're doing nothing but empowering hell you are hell's sacrifice in that moment you're not the lamb you're trying to be the lion there's only one lion but there's lots of lambs nowhere in scriptures that it call you the lion But it does call you sheep. Everybody's trying to be the lion. It's only one lion. And you ain't it. And I ain't it. I'm a sheep. And I'm trying to grow into a lamb. Because Jesus says you gotta become like little children. In other words, the younger you get, the more value you be valuable you get. The more lowly you become, the more vowed you become. The more sacrificial you become. The more the one, you become the chosen one for the sacrifice. Do you realize when they went to choose the sheep, there was lots of choices? Do you want to be God's choice or not? God always calls what I'm going to say the Davidic. The Davidic is a theological term for the culture of the heart of David. God calls the Davidic to slay his giants. When God called David, it was a prophetic statement to the church for eons and generations in time, which is still why it's one of the most famous children's stories in the Bible. I don't know why, it's gory and gruesome. and I mean, David's standing there with his bloody head, walking it all the way back to Jerusalem, you know, and I got it dripping blood the entire way. He's an eight-year-old boy with a bloody head in his hand. It's a good children's story. Right before bed, just tell them that story. God calls the Davidic to take out his giants. How come God didn't wait until David was a mighty warrior to take out Goliath? Because God was proving a point. It is through weakness, meekness, humility that God is gonna use those people to defeat his greatest foe. So the more inadequate you feel the more qualified you are that sounds like a bible verse that i boasted my weakness because when i am weak finally my brothers be strong in the lord well, that means i need to be weak in myself but i don't want to be that because i feel like a victim when i'm weak you are a victim You're at the mercy of someone else's knife. And if you're not okay with that, then you're not okay with the nature of Jesus. Well, he shouldn't do that. Well, you shouldn't have killed Jesus either. I didn't kill him. Yeah, you did. So did I. We both did. We helped each other. Put that man to death. he was like a lamb in the Hebrew understanding that licked the hand of the one that was slicing his throat have you ever butchered a sheep? I have get you right here because they don't fight you at all they trust you and you're like man This is what happened on that day. Goliath, remember this the spirit of Goliath, the spirit of Jezebel, the spirit of the age, the spirit of the flesh. Goliath has no use for stones, he wants the sword. The javelin, the shield, the power, the authority, the upper hand. Goliath cannot be bothered. The spirit of Jezebel can't be bothered with the little things like submission, obedience, humility, service, love, forgiveness. But the Davidic always see value in the stones, the small things. The Davidic always see value in the stones and the small things. The Davidic always sees the value in the stones and the small things. What was it that killed Goliath or took down Goliath? The stone. Where did that stone land? Where does the devil exist in the minds of broken people? Where are we supposed to launch our attack? With what? The things the world despises humility, meekness, love, submission, obedience. <laughs> Parents, let me ask you this. Does it shock you and move your heart when, you're, when you ask your kids to do something and they say, yeah, absolutely. And they just go and do it? <laughs> what in the world? just happened? Does it make you want to bless them? Does it make you want to love them? Does it make you want to soften your heart towards them? See, by that act of submission, you soften the heart and the mind of someone else. You literally pull down a stronghold and a principality in your parents. let's say the opposite happens and you fight them and argue with them and rebel and are bitter. Do you think that softens the heart and the mind of that parent? No, you reinforced the division in your own home. Let's take it to the married couples. When you fight your husband and scream and nag, do you think that softens his heart? Nope, I can can speak with authority. (laughs) On this, I know what I'm talking about. I happen to be a man, and I happen to be married. Wives, husbands, when you're distant, disconnected, Uncaring, self-absorbed, do you think that wins the heart and the mind of your wife? All the ladies are shaking their heads. They're too scared to say amen, but I heard you women. Are you understanding what I'm saying? God chooses the Davidic to take out his greatest enemy, but it's always in a way that we don't want to see it Occur Because it causes us to be put in a position of vulnerability and weakness. How do you think David felt as an eight-year-old boy against a 10-foot giant? You're always going to feel outnumbered in everything God sends you to do. Don't you remember Jesus' teachings? When he's talking about following him, he says, Everybody must figure out what it's going to cost them when they choose me or not. In both scenarios, he gives you the idea that you're outnumbered and underfunded. Did you miss that in that parable? What king going to war doesn't try to figure out whether he can take out 20,000 with 10? You're outnumbered. But that means you're going to win. We don't see it like that. Some situation happens in our marriage, our culture, our circumstance, our children, our money, and we're outnumbered. And we start looking at Goliath and we're missing the stone that we're standing on. The provision of God at our feet in the small things in our life because we're trying to be strong the way the devil wants us to be. By fighting fire with fire and getting aggressive and trying to push people around. Nobody's heart is one like that. I've had so many people in a religious culture of Hebraic demonism trying to get me over to this legalistic side of messianic judaism and every one of them are pushy and arrogant and just downright mean sometimes and i i asked one of them one time i was like if you really really were accurate you should choose a different way to try to win my heart because the only thing that's happening right now is you're trying is you're pushing me away why Jesus says his gospel's good news and everything that you're telling me seems like horrible news. The good news is that we have a dictator who actually knows what to do with what we call our free will. And if we just give it to him, it'll bless him, us, and everybody else. Goliath has no use for stones. First Peter 2, 4, you come to him a living stone. Jesus, the living stone, rejected by men. God's ways are always rejected by men. Men and women who've shaped culture are never famous until they're dead. They're hated by their own generation. You read Paul, and you think the man was famous in his time. He was despised, outcast, rejected, and in the end, everybody forsook him. You think you would be in his church Probably not. If Paul came to preach to us, you think I'm hard? Go read how he writes to the Corinthians in the Amplified. At one point, he even mocks them. That's not the love of God. Then why is it in the Bible? You come to Jesus, a living stone, rejected by men. The Davidic never rejects the stone. But in the sight of God, this stone is chosen and precious, but you yourselves are also living stones, being built up a spiritual house. Why? Because it takes an entire house to take down a principality. Not one gift is strong enough. I don't care how, I don't care how many conferences you run to, how many famous preachers or prophets that you want to hear from, that one man or woman is not big enough to take down a principality over a nation. It takes men and women of God in their homes, seeking the Father, raising their children, loving their wives, humbling themselves and saying, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have acted like that. This is how demonic strongholds are brought down. This is the strength of the Lord, the humility of a man or a woman serving one another, not sitting there saying, Pastor, I just disagree with you. Like that's gonna change my trajectory. All that does is make me dig in more. You don't know me very well. You come to me and tell me you disagree with me. I'm digging in deeper. Because that's a confirmation to me. Why? Because that means I'm doing something right because I've got opposition. And when I've got opposition, that means hell really fears me. Because the devil doesn't attack something that's not hurting his kingdom. Like I said, most of you guys think that the devil's attacking you and it's just your consequences you'll know when the devil's really attacking you because you're free from bitterness and rejection and you don't blame anybody and you're serving and getting crucified and you're doing it without hurt and you still keep at it and he still keeps sending people to stab you in the back and you just say every wound you give me only makes me stronger bring it on Every new person that walks through that door has the potential to carve my heart out again, but it's been carved out a million times and Jesus has restored it every time, so I'm not afraid. Neither should you be. You serve people no matter what. But you can't serve them if you're in yourself. You yourselves, living stones built up. Verse six in 1 Peter 2, for it stands in scripture saying, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen, precious to whoever believes in him and whoever believes in him will never be put to shame. This is the stone that we fight with in this power and principality realm that we're talking about. The stone of Christ. What did that stone show us? Showed us how to come down. It showed us how to hide and be hidden for a season. You'll always know the spirit of Jezebel and pride because they have no capacity to be taken to the wilderness. They don't want to be put under the knife of God. They don't want to be prepared. They just want to be called. They don't want it to cost them anything. So the honor is for you who believe, but to those who don't believe, this stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone of the church. This way of God, this power of God that the world rejected has become the way of God and the operation for the church of Jesus Christ. That's what that says. You understand me? David chose the stone of Christ in his heart because he was so intimately connected to the father that when he passed over the water to fight the giant, he saw something in the small things of victory that everybody else walked over. Everybody else has their eyes on the giant. And you're missing the stone that God gave you to take it out. Oh, my wife. She's just a rebel and she's just this and she's just that while you're standing on the very thing God gave you to take it out. You just don't want to do it that way. You'd rather fight with her and make your opinion subdue her and that's never going to happen. You want to gain a pastor's heart that you disagree with? Do not come and punch him in the face spiritually. He'll take it, but he's probably not going to invite you to his house. Not because he don't want you there, it's because he don't trust you with his wife and kids. <laughs> He'll take the beating, but you don't mess with his family, right? See, spiritual warfare is not about aggression. The more loud you get, doesn't intimidate the demon. I've been in the services before, it's comical. I can almost hear the, de- the devil's laughing. People getting loud and rebuking the devil. Ah, like, like if, if, if human energy was enough, the walls of Jericho, when they fell, that would have killed hell too. The shout that came actually triggered an earthquake. That's what happened. Everybody thinks it was the shout. No, it was an earthquake that happened. Call it timing, call it triggering, I don't know. Science will tell you that certain resonance at enough of a pitch in a, in a decibel will actually trigger certain things in the earth. They shouted loud enough, it caused an earthquake. If it was about decibels, the devil would have been destroyed then. It's not about decibels. Are you with me? The stone of victory was made for the head of the giant. Are you guys okay? Uh, I really mean this. I'm going to try to finish this, but if you need to leave, don't feel like it's going to offend me. I don't. If if you need to go, you're you're free to go whenever you need to. The church is the agent that God chooses, that God hurls at the mind of the giant in the heads of men. I want to say this. It was the lamb that beat the serpent, not the lion. Let me say it this way it was the lamb that defeated the dragon, not the lion. You're trying to be a lion. You need to learn to be a lamb. In Genesis, we see the devil as a snake. In Revelation, we see him as a dragon. He did increase in power. He grew. Just the same way we're supposed to grow. It says in the Bible that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. The devil wants to be just like Jesus. If Jesus grows, the devil wants to grow. You with me? He grew in the exhortation force, the exertion force of power. Jesus grew down. He became like a little child. And then he says, everybody who comes to me must come to me as a little child. Dependent, weak, broken, humble, willing to learn. This is so good, man. Revelation 6.15, the kings of the earth, the great ones, the generals, the rich, the powerful, everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in caves and rocks and mountains, calling to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who's seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. You would think they would say from the wrath of a lion. They're scared of a lamb. The rich, the powerful, the the great, the, the powerful of the earth are hiding from the power they despised when it was offered to them. The cross so openly exposed the enemy that he learned the power of the lamb and ever since he has sought to become he sought to deceive us into becoming the opposite because if he knows that we come into that same power we are made in his likeness and the exact same thing will happen which is why the gut reaction the flesh reaction the human nature reaction is to lie in on people i've recently heard it called righteous anger <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> you cannot operate that way. You cannot operate that way until you first op- learn to operate like a lamb. You cannot be trusted with righteous anger until you're trusted to be a sacrifice. Righteous anger. Oh my goodness. Let, let, let's look at this. Matthew 18, three, Jesus says, verily accepted and you be converted, you become as little children. You cannot enter the kingdom. Verse four, this is the part everybody misses. Verse four, whoever therefore, listen, who shall humble himself as this little child, watch this, the same is the greatest in the kingdom. Let me connect the dots for you. What is the devil desire to be? the greatest in the kingdom. What honor and privilege has Jesus given you to become what? The greatest in the kingdom. How do you become greatest in the kingdom? By becoming the least. This is the exact thing the devil doesn't want you to do in every scenario of your life. He tells you you have rights. You have feelings. You deserve this. No, you deserve hell. (laughs) So do I, probably more than you. Whoever will humble himself, strength of the Lord, will be great in the kingdom. What does it say? That Jesus humbled himself and was given a name above every name. You want to have spiritual authority? Go down. You think submission is demonic? Then you think like the devil. Because your own Jesus, whom you say you love, submitted not even just to his father and to the Romans. He submitted to our sin and he submitted to the devil. And it was that submission that changed everything. Jesus says, I, I send you out like sheep amongst wolves. Who does that? Somebody who's, po- who's confident in the power of the lamb. Oh my goodness. Do you realize that wolves don't know they're wolves? We read those statements thinking that they know they're wolves and they know exactly what they're doing. They don't. They think they're sheep. How do we know that? Because Scripture tells us in Matthew 7, Jesus has all these people who stand before him who are shocked and surprised that they're not going to make it. They thought they were sheep. They didn't know. Why? Because the only reality they live in is their reality. And when you have wheat and tares, which is the opposite end of the spectrum, a different way of to analyze it, if you have a tear who's a tear and only exists as a tear, it knows it has nothing inside of it. So it assumes that the wheat next to it has nothing inside of it either because it judges itself by itself and everything that's around itself is judged by how it feels, its thinks, and its opinions. The age old the the saying is this is that we don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. So true. Many times we think somebody's arrogant because if we did that exact same thing, it would be arrogance for us. But in them, it's confidence because they've been broken so many times in areas that we're still stubborn. So we put that on them because if we did that, it would be on us because we see it as ourselves. So wolves think they're sheep. How do you know a wolf? Their only desire is to bite, devour, and consume everything around it. The wolf has no ability to lay its life down for the sheep. They attack authority. They sow discord, division. They get into home groups and fellowship meals and talk against the pastor. They love to find fault. Sheep are made in the image of the shepherd. And their only desire is to cover all the sin they see. That's a good shepherd. He sees all the sin, but his desire is, I got to cover it. A wolf, I got to expose it. You know where people get that? From the pastoral epistles in scripture. Those are written to pastors. Pastors. And they think they have the right to those scriptures. They don't. You have the right to those scriptures in your own authority, in your own home, under your own management. But when you read First, Second Timothy and Titus, those are pastoral epistles. Those are written to leaders. That's where it says rebuke them, chasten them. And we like those verses, but we want to use those for ourselves. Are you a pastor? Are you a leader? Are you a apostle? Are you a prophet? Do you have a place and office in the church? And even as a pastor, I don't have the right to rebuke other pastors. They're not under my authority. People always wanna say, what do you think about that leader over there and this guy over here, that guy or that televangelist? I don't care, he's none of my business. That's God's son. God can judge him however he wants. This is my, my realm where I will be held accountable. Right? He says, Proverbs eleven thirty: the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. Whoever wins souls is wise. That word wise is the word cunning. is the same word the devil is called in the beginning. So you gotta figure out, Jesus says be wise as, harmless as, yeah. You gotta figure out how to get in people's heads. You know what the devil did? Yeah. Because that's where we wage war. I'm looking at you and I'm going, all right, I see all the bondage how do I scale them walls? How do I get past the offense? How do I get past that pain that's right there in the big gate in the front? I have to go around it. I'm gonna have to dig a hole. I'm gonna to have to be patient. I'm gonna to have to soften that wall somehow until I finally gain the trust and it's just as soon as that door opens, just like the devil, I'm coming all the way in. That's how the devil did. That's how we're supposed to do it. want to change people's minds do it with the dove the lamb you can read first corinthians 2 i won't tell you because i'm out of time i'm sorry this summation is this the wisdom and the strength of god is the cross Paul says in 2 Corinthians twelve ten, I take pleasure in infirmity. Is he sadistic or has he found the source of power? I take pleasure when I'm under it, when I'm having a bad week, when it's hard, when it seems like I'm losing everything. I take pleasure in when I'm reproached and reviled by men. I take re- pleasure in when I am in need, when I'm persecuted, and when I'm distressed, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak yes, yeah, strong. Finally, my brethren, same guy writing this, same author. Don't you think he communicated that when he was in Ephesus for those three months? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. How do I know that this is his heart? I'm summing, I'm wrapping this up. For those of you who weren't here, we went over this in Ephesians 1, but I'll read it. Ephesians chapter one, Paul in the beginning, the Genesis of what he's talking about here, now we're in the revelation part of what he's talking here. in the Genesis part of here, in chapter one here, he, he says this. He doesn't just say it, he's actually praying it for them. He says, "I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you the spirit of wisdom, revelation and knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding would be opened." that you would know what the hope of his calling is, the riches of his glory and his inheritance to the saints, and the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to his mighty, mighty working power, which he wrought in Christ when he, what? Raised him from the dead. The power was found in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. He says, I pray your eyes are open to this reality. It Paul's mind, it took prayer to open people's eyes to the reality of Christ so that that reality could begin to take over the principalities they were trying to rebuke. When he raised him from the dead and he set him at his right hand in heavenly places, what's Paul's praying here? He says, I'm praying your eyes would be opened. Did you catch the spiritual parallel? He's talking to people he's trained. When's the first time in scripture that you see the idea of eyes being opened? Genesis chapter three, they ate and their eyes were opened to evil. He says, I pray now that your eyes would be opened to the lamb who covers the sin of the world. And if you live like that with one another, you have nothing to fear. By your very living with each other, you will be involved in spiritual warfare. Does this make sense to you? Yes. Finally, be strong in the Lord. The law is this, the love with all, God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Are all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love of your neighbor as yourself. Be strong in the power of the Lord. All your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What kind of strength is he talking about? Human ambition. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and to love God with your strength is to actually lay it down. To love God, to love your brother with your strength, is to lay it down. Jesus wants us to win. But he's only gonna let us win his way. You're not gonna win by fighting. You're not strong. thing that we despise is the thing the principalities fear. The last thing they want is you figuring out that your greatest strength is your weakness. I'm doing battle with your head right now. Mind renewal. I'm throwing stones at you not to hurt you But to take out the giants in your life and give you the tools you need to begin to destroy all the things that have completely mocked, ridiculed, and devastated your life. You're standing on stones and you can't even see them because you're too busy looking at the giant. Look down. come down. When you want to fight, serve. When you want to argue, submit. When you're hurt, heal. Because you have the authority to do so. God believes in the lamb inside of you. He does. He believes in the lamb inside of you. When he made you, that's what he made you to be. He doesn't want more lions. That's what the devil's trying to be. The Bible says he walks around, adds a roaring lion. Because he wants to be like Messiah. He still hasn't figured it out. The power is in the weakness. The power is in the crucifixion. The power is in the death. The power is in the submission. The power is in the love. Not the, I disagree with you husband, wife, children, America, president. If you're not careful, you're going to be a sour old person that nobody wants to be around. Because the only thing you're familiar with is what you don't like. And you never learn to love what God loved. So let's learn. Amen? Stand with me. Thank you for enduring. I know I'm not the shortest preacher. I said that one day and Cody said, you are to me. If you don't know, this is Cody right here. He wasn't wrong. Will you pray with me? Lord, how we need you. And our minds have been so messed up thinking like the world, that power is something that we can generate, when power is really something that we let go of. So make us a sacrifice unto you, because our day is coming. We will die. That cannot be avoided. So if that's the case, let us die unto you. And while we live, let us be living sacrifices unto you. Give us grace. Help those who desire it in this place. Bless your children here. Put your hand upon them mightily. Lead them and guide them into all truth. If there's anything of me today, Lord, that was here, pull it out and don't even let them remember. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.